Chapter Four, Part Two of the Prairie Traveller. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Prairie Traveller by Randolph B. Marcy. Chapter Four, Part Two. European Saddles, California Saddle, Saddle Wounds, Alkali, Flies, Colic, Rattlesnake Bites, Cures for the Bite. Saddles. Great diversity of opinion exists regarding the best equipment for horses, and the long-mooted question is as yet very far from being definitely settled. I do not regard the opinions of Europeans as having a more direct bearing upon this question, or as tending to establish any more definite and positive conclusions regarding it, than have been developed by the experience of our own border citizens, the major part of whose lives has been spent in the saddle, yet I am confident that the following brief description of the horse equipments used in different parts of Europe, the substance of which I have extracted from Captain McClellan's interesting report, will be read with interest and instruction. The saddle used by the African chausseurs consists of a plain wooden tree with a pad upon the top, but without skirts, and is somewhat similar to our own military saddle, but lower in the pommel and cantle. The girth and surcingle are of leather, with an ordinary woolen saddle blanket. Their bridle has a single head stall, with the Spanish bit buckled to it. A new saddle has recently been introduced into the French service by Captain Cojan, the tree of which is cut out of a single piece of wood, the cantle only being glued on, and a piece of walnut let into the pommel, with a thin strip veneered upon the front ends of the bars. The pommel and cantle are lower than in the old model. The whole is covered with wet rawhide, glued on and sewed at the edges the great advantage this saddle possesses is in being so arranged that it may be used for horses of all sizes and conditions the saddle blanket is made of thick felt cloth and is attached to the pommel by a small strap passing through holes in the blanket which is thus prevented from slipping and at the same time it raises the saddle so as to admit a free circulation of air over the horse's spine the hungarian saddle is made of hard wood entirely uncovered with a raised pommel and cantle the seat is formed with a leather strap four inches wide, nailed to the forks on the front and rear, and secured to the sideboards by leather thongs, thus giving an elastic and easy saddle seat. This is also the form of the saddle tree used by the Russian and Austrian cavalry. The Russians have a leather girth fastened by three small buckles. It passes over the tree and is tied to the sideboards. The saddle blanket is of stout felt cloth in four thicknesses and a layer of black leather over it, and the whole held together by leather thongs passing through and through. When the horse falls off in flesh, more thicknesses are added, and vice versa. This saddle-blanket is regarded by the Russian officers as the best possible arrangement. The Russians use the curb and snaffle bits, made of steel. The Cossack saddle has a thick padding under the sideboards and on the seat, which raises the rider very high on his horse so that his feet are above the bottom of the belly, their bridle has but a simple snaffle-bit, and no martingale. The Prussian cuirassier have a heavy saddle, with a low pommel and cantle covered with leather, but it is not thought by Captain McClellan to present anything worthy of imitation. The other Prussian cavalry ride the Hungarian saddle, of a heavier model than the one in the Austrian service. The surcingle is of leather, and fastens in the Mexican style. The girth is also of leather, three and a half inches wide, with a large buckle. It is in two parts, attached to the bars by rawhide thongs. The curb and snaffle steel bits are used, and attached to a single head-stall. The English cavalry use a saddle which has a lower cantle and pommel than our Grimsley saddle, covered with leather. The snaffle bit is attached to the halter head-stall by a chain and tee. The curb has a separate head-stall, which on a march is occasionally taken off and hung on the carbine stock. 
the sardinian saddle has a bare wooden tree very similar to the hungarian a common blanket folded in twelve thicknesses is placed under it the girth and surcingle are of leather without expressing any opinion as to the comparative merits of these different saddles i may be permitted to give a few general principles which i regard as infallible in the choice of a saddle the sideboards should be large and made to conform to the shape of the horse's back thereby distributing the burden over a large surface it should stand up well above the spine so as to admit a free circulation of air under it for long journeys the crupper where it comes in contact with the tail should be made of soft leather it should be drawn back only far enough to hold the saddle from the withers some horses require much more tension upon the crupper than others the girth should be made broad of a soft and elastic material those made of hair in use among the mexicans fulfil the presided conditions a light and easy bit which will not fret or chafe the horse is recommended the saddle blanket must be folded even and smooth and placed on so as to cover every part of the back that comes in contact with the saddle and in warm weather it is well to place a gunny bag under the blanket as it is cooler than the wool it will have been observed that in the french service the folded saddle blanket is tied to the pommel to prevent it slipping back this is well if the blanket be taken off and thoroughly dried whenever the horse is unsaddled a saddle blanket made of moss is used in some of the southwestern states which is regarded by many as the perfection of this article of horse equipment it is a mat woven into the proper shape and size from the beaten fibres of moss that hangs from the trees in our southern states it is cheap durable is not in any way affected by sweat and does not chafe or heat the horse's spine like the woolen blanket its open texture allows a rapid evaporation which tends to keep the back cool and obviates the danger of stripping and sudden exposure of the heated parts to the sun and air the experience of some of our officers who have used this mat for years in mexico and texas corroborates all i have said in its favor and they are unanimous in the opinion that a horse will never get a sore back when it is placed under a good saddle a saddle made by the mexicans in california is called the california saddle this is extensively used upon the pacific slope of the mountains and is believed to possess at least as many advantages for rough frontier service as any other pattern that has been invented those hardy and experienced veterans the mountaineers could not be persuaded to ride any other saddle and their ripened knowledge of such matters certainly gives weight to their conclusions the merits of the california saddle consist in its being light strong and compact and conforming well to the shape of the horse when strapped on it rests so firmly in position that the strongest pull of a horse upon a lariat attached to the pommel cannot displace it its shape is such that the rider is compelled to sit nearly erect with his legs on the continuation of the line of the body which makes his seat more secure and at the same time gives him a better control over his arms and horse this position is attained by setting the stirrup leathers farther back than on the old-fashioned saddle the pommel is high like the mexican saddle and prevents the rider from being thrown forward the tree is covered with raw hide put on green and sewed when this dries and contracts it gives it great strength it has no iron in its composition but is kept together by buckskin strings and can easily be taken to pieces for mending or cleaning it has a hair girth about five inches wide the whole saddle is covered with a large and thick sheet of sole leather having a hole to lay over the pommel it extends back over the horse's hips and protects them from the rain and when taken off in camp it furnishes a good security against dampness when placed under the traveller's bed the california saddle tree is regarded by many as the best of all others for the horse's back and as having an easier seat than the mexican general comte de la roche aimon in his treatise upon light troops published in paris in eighteen fifty six says in nearly all the european armies the equipment of the horse is not in harmony with the new tactics 
with those tactics in which during nearly all of a campaign the cavalry remains in bivouac have we reflected upon the kind of saddle which under these circumstances would cover the horse best without incommoding him during the short periods that he is permitted to repose have we reflected upon the kind of saddle which offering the least fragility exposes the horse to the least danger of sore back all the cuirassiers and the dragoons of europe have saddles which they call french saddle the weight of which is a load for the horse the interior mechanisms of these saddles is complicated and filled with weak bands of iron which become deranged bent and sometimes break the rider does not perceive these accidents or he does not wish to perceive them for fear of being left behind or of having to go on foot he continues on and at the end of a day's march his horse has a sore back and in a few days is absolutely unserviceable we may satisfy ourselves of the truth of these observations by comparing the list of horses sent to the rear during the course of a campaign by the cuirassiers and dragoons who use the french saddle and by the hussars with the hungarian saddle the number sent to the rear by the latter is infinitely less although employed in a service much more active and severe and it might be still less by making some slight improvements in the manner of fixing their saddle upon the horse it is a long time since marshal saxe said there was but one kind of saddle fit for cavalry which was the hussar saddle this combined all advantages lightness solidity and economy it is astonishing that the system of actual war had not led to the employment of the kind of saddle in use among the tartars the cossacks the hungarians and indeed among all horsemen and nomads this saddle has the incontestable advantage of permitting the horse to lie down and rest himself without inconvenience if notwithstanding the folded blanket which they place under the hungarian saddle this saddle will still wound the animal's back sometimes this only proceeds from the friction occasioned by the motion of the horse and the movement of the rider upon the saddle a friction which it will be nearly impossible to avoid inasmuch as the saddle-bow is held in its place only by a surcingle the ends of which are united by a leathern band these bands always relax more or less and the saddle becomes loose to remedy this i propose to attach to the saddle-bow itself a double girth one end of which shall be made fast to the arch in front and the other end to the rear of the arch upon the right side to unite in a single girth which would buckle to a strap attached upon the left side in the usual manner this buckle will hold the saddle firmly in its place notwithstanding all these precautions however there were still some inconveniences resulting from the nature of the blanket placed under the saddle which i sought to remedy and i easily accomplished it the woollen nap of the cavalry saddle blankets not being carefully attended to soon wears off and leaves only the rough coarse threads of the fabric this absorbs the sweat from the horse and after it has dried and become hard it acts like a rasp upon the withers first taking off the hair next the skin and then the flesh and finally the beast is rendered unserviceable i sought during the campaign of eighteen o seven a means to remedy this evil and i soon succeeded by a process as simple as it was cheap i distributed among a great number of cavalry soldiers pieces of linen cloth folded double two feet square and previously dipped in melted tallow this cloth was laid next to the horse's back under the saddle blanket and it prevented all the bad effects of the woolen blanket no horses after this appliance were afflicted with sore backs such are the slight changes which i believe should be made in the use of the hungarian saddle the remainder of the equipment should remain as it has always been composed of a breast-strap crupper and martingale etc the improvements of the present age do not appear to have developed anything advantageous to this saddle on the contrary after experimenting upon numerous modifications and inventions public sentiment has at length given the preference to the saddle trees of the natives in asia and america which is very similar to that of the hungarians sores and diseases 
if a horse be sweating at the time he is unsaddled it is well to strap the folded saddle blanket upon his back with the surcingle where it is allowed to remain until he is perfectly dry this causes the back to cool gradually and prevents scalding or swelling some persons are in the habit of washing their horses backs while heated and sweating with cold water but this is pernicious and often produces sores it is well enough to wash the back after it cools but not before after horses backs or shoulders once become chafed and sore it is very difficult to heal them particularly when they are continued at work it is better if practicable to stop using them for a while and wash the bruised parts often with castile soap and water should it be necessary however to continue the animal in use i have known very severe saddle sores entirely healed by the free application of grease to the parts immediately after halting and while the animal is warm and sweating this seems to harden the skin and heal the wound even when working with the collar in contact with it a piece of bacon rind tied upon the collar over the wound is also an excellent remedy in texas when the horse-flies are numerous they attack animals without mercy and where a contusion is found in the skin they deposit eggs which speedily produce worms in great numbers i have tried the effects of spirits of turpentine and several other remedies but nothing seemed to have the desired effect but calomel blown into the wound which destroys the worms and soon effected a cure in the vicinity of the south pass upon the humboldt river and in some sections upon other routes to california alkaline water is found which is very poisonous to animals that drink it and generates a disease known in california as alkali this disease first makes its appearance by swellings upon the abdomen and between the forelegs and is attended with a cough which ultimately destroys the lungs and kills the animals if taken at an early stage this disease is curable and the following treatment is generally considered as the most efficacious the animal is first raked, after which a large dose of grease is poured down its throat. Acids are said to have the same effect and give immediate relief. When neither of these remedies can be procured, many of the emigrants have been in the habit of mixing starch or flour in a bucket of water and allowing the animal to drink it. It is supposed that this forms a coating over the mucous membrane and thus defeats the action of the poison. Animals should never be allowed to graze in the vicinity of alkaline water, as the deposits upon the grass after floods are equally deleterious with the water itself. In seasons when the water is low in the Humboldt River, there is much less danger of the alkali, as the running water in the river then comes from pure mountain springs, and is confined to the channel, whereas during high water, when the banks are overflowed, the salts are dissolved, making the water more impure. For colic, a good remedy is a mixture of two tablespoonsful of brandy and two teaspoonsful of laudanum dissolved in a bottle of water and poured down the animal's throat another remedy which has been recommended to me by an experienced officer as producing speedy relief is a tablespoonful of chloride of lime dissolved in a bottle of water and administered as in the other case rattlesnake bites upon the southern routes to california rattlesnakes are often met with but it is seldom that any person is bitten by them yet this is a possible contingency and it can never be amiss to have an antidote at hand hartshorn applied externally to the wound and drunk in small quantities diluted with water whenever the patient becomes faint or exhausted from the effects of the poison is one of the most common remedies in the absence of all medicines a string or ligature should at once be bound firmly above the puncture then scarify deep with a knife suck out the poison and spit out the saliva anderson in his book on southwestern africa says in the cape colony the dutch farmers resort to a cruel but apparently effective plan to counteract the bad effects of a serpent's bite an incision having been made in the breast of a living fowl the bitten part is applied to the wound 
if the poison be very deadly the bird soon evinces symptoms of distress becomes drowsy droops its head and dies it is replaced by a second a third and more if requisite when however the bird no longer exhibits any of the signs just mentioned the patient is considered out of danger a frog similarly applied is supposed to be equally efficacious Hanberg, in his travels in south africa mentions an antidote against the bite of serpents he says the blood of the turtle was much cried up which on account of this extraordinary virtue the inhabitants dry in the form of small scales or membranes and carry about them when they travel in this country which swarms with this most noxious vermin whenever any one is wounded by a serpent he takes a couple of pinches of the dried blood internally and applies a little of it to the wound i was present upon one occasion when an indian child was struck in the forefinger by a large rattlesnake his mother who was near at the time seized him in her arms and placing the wounded finger in her mouth sucked the poison from the puncture for some minutes repeatedly spitting out the saliva after which she chewed and mashed some plantain leaves and applied to the wound over this she sprinkled some finely powdered tobacco and wrapped the finger up in a rag i did not observe that the child suffered afterwards the least pain or inconvenience the immediate application of the remedies probably saved his life irritation from the bites of gnats and mosquitoes etc may be relieved by chewing the plantain and rubbing the spittle on the bite i know of another instance near fort towson in northern texas where a small child was left upon the earthen floor of a cabin while its mother was washing at a spring near by she heard a cry of distress and on going to the cabin what was her horror on seeing a rattlesnake coiled around the child's arm and striking it repeatedly with its fangs after killing the snake she hurried to her nearest neighbor procured a bottle of brandy and returned as soon as possible but the poison had already so operated upon the arm that it was as black as a negro's she poured down the child's throat a huge draught of the liquor which soon took effect making it very drunk and stopped the action of the poison although the child was relieved it remained sick for a long time but ultimately recovered a man was struck in the leg by a very large rattlesnake near fort belknap texas in eighteen fifty three no other remedy being at hand a small piece of indigo was pulverized made into a poultice with water and applied to the puncture it seemed to draw out the poison turning the indigo white after which it was removed and another poultice applied these applications were repeated until the indigo ceased to change its colour the man was then carried to the hospital at fort belknap and soon recovered and the surgeon of the post pronounced it a very satisfactory cure a chickasaw woman who was bitten upon the foot near fort washita by a ground rattlesnake a very venomous species drank a bottle of whiskey and applied the indigo poultice and when i saw her three days afterwards she was recovering but the flesh around the wound sloughed away a delaware remedy which is said to be efficacious is to burn powder upon the wound but i have never known it to be tried excepting upon a horse in this case it was successful or at all events the animal recovered of all the remedies known to me i should decidedly prefer ardent spirits it is considered a sovereign antidote among our western frontier settlers and i would make use of it with great confidence it must be taken until the patient becomes very much intoxicated and this requires a large quantity as the action of the poison seems to counteract its effects should the fangs of the snake penetrate deep enough to reach an artery it is probable the person would die in a short time i imagine however that this does not often occur the following remedial measures for the treatment of the bites of poisonous reptiles are recommended by dr philip weston in the london lancet for july eighteen fifty nine one the application of a ligature round the limb close to the wound between it and the heart to arrest the return of venous blood excision of the bitten parts or free incision through the wounds made by the poison teeth 
subsequently encouraging bleeding by warm solutions to favor the escape of the poison from the circulation three cauterization widely round the limb of the bite with a strong solution of nitrate of silver one drachma to the ounce to prevent the introduction of the poison into the system by the lymphatics four as soon as indications of the absorption of the poison into the circulation begin to manifest themselves the internal administration of ammonia in aerated or soda water every quarter of an hour to support the nervous energy and allay the distressing thirst but he continues there is yet wanting some remedy that shall rapidly counteract the poison introduced into the blood and assist in expelling it from the system the well-authenticated accounts of the success attending the internal use of arsenic in injuries arising from the bites of venomous reptiles in the east and west indies and also in africa and the well-known properties of this medicine as a powerful tonic and alternatives in conditions of impaired vitality of the blood arising from the absorption of certain blood poisons would lead me to include this agent in the treatment already mentioned it should be administered in combination with ammonia in full doses frequently repeated so as to neutralize quickly the poison circulating in the blood before it can be eliminated from the system this could readily be accomplished by adding ten to fifteen minims of fowler's solution to the compound spirit of ammonia to be given every quarter of an hour in aerated or soda water until the vomiting and the more urgent symptoms of the collapse have subsided subsequently repeating the dose at longer intervals until reaction had become fully established and the patient relieved by copious bilious dejections cedrone which is a nut that grows on the isthmus of panama and which is sold by the druggists in new york is said to be an infallible antidote to serpent bites in the boulet de la ca de med for february eighteen fifty eight it is stated that a man was bitten at panama by a coral snake the most poisonous species on the isthmus during the few seconds that it took him to take the cedrone from his bag, he was seized with violent pains at the heart and throat, but he had scarcely chewed and swallowed a piece of the nut about the size of a small bean, when the pains ceased as by magic. He chewed a little more and applied it externally to the wound, when the pains disappeared and were followed by copious evacuation of a substance like curdled milk. Many other cases are mentioned where the cedrone proved an antidote. End of chapter 4, part 2